are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share His love. The scripture reading is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 to 17. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires, which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong, and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the King. Thanks, Sherry, so much for reading our scripture lesson for today. As you can tell, the conversation question is totally self-serving. I really would love to hear your ideas and thoughts on what I might do during my retirement. So feel free to send me an email, or for those online this morning, make a comment in the chat. I'm eager to hear your suggestions. So I hope you have your Bibles or your Bible apps open to 1 Peter. Let's begin with prayer. Gracious God, how I thank you for your word. It is our daily bread, our source of nourishment. Help us let go of all the clutter and the clamor going on in our minds this morning. And help us to focus on you and on your word to us. Give us ears to hear you and hearts willing to follow after you. In Jesus' name, amen. We continue today in our series, Hope Rising, First Peter. And as Peter begins the text for this morning, he's transitioning from laying the groundwork of his letter, which is who they are in Christ and what God has done for them, to how do they live as people of God in this world, but not of this world. So the big idea for this morning is, Faithful people live as people of God in this world, but not of this world. Peter begins this transition with beloved. Peter's about to ask them to do some very difficult things, and he wants them to know that they are loved. Beloved expresses not only Peter's affection for them, but it conveys their belonging to God. They are God's beloved children, adopted into his family through Jesus Christ. Know this morning that you are God's beloved child. This letter is for you. Not only does Peter address the recipients of this letter as beloved, or some translations read, dear friends, but he then goes on to describe them as foreigners or sojourners and exiles. Verse 11, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. 
When Dan and I visited Tanzania, Africa for the first time, we quickly realized we were foreigners in this land. The smells, the plants and animals, the roads, the language, the food, even the beautiful welcome that we received. People in bright colored clothing, waving palm branches, and greeting us with high-pitched ululation, all indicated that we were not home. Now, when we return there, the sights and the sounds no longer surprise us. We're delighted to see our brothers and sisters in Njombe, but we still realize Tanzania, Africa is not our home. We are visitors, sojourners, just there for a time. Peter makes the point that this world is not our home. As the old Southern African-American spiritual sings, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. Our true home, our citizenship as Christians is in heaven. We are only pilgrims here. So Peter encourages that since we are only visiting here, just a passing through, we need to respect and live appropriately in society while maintaining our own distinctly Christian identity within it. You might remember that Christians at the time of Peter's writing are living in a pagan culture. They are exiles scattered about because of persecution for their Christian faith. And as verse 12 hints, the rumors about them are that they are irreligious and evil. First century Greco-Roman society marginalized Christians because they were different. The Christians did not worship the pagan gods that were so popular. So they were accused of trying to subvert the government and disrupt trade. And as Christians, they gathered together for the Lord's Supper, which sounded like a form of cannibalism to the locals. Early writers referred to Christianity as an evil or a mischievous superstition. Have you ever been on the receiving end of false accusations or rumors? What was your gut reaction? I can tell you that when this has happened to me, I wanted to set the record straight. I wanted to make a public defense of my character. And I wanted those spreading untruths to be exposed. I wanted to fight back. Or maybe you felt the pressure to conform when your Christian values or lifestyle did not line up with those of your friends or your work colleagues. Have you experienced the discomfort of standing alone? Peer pressure is not just a student life problem. Plenty of adults struggle to be true to their Christian beliefs and values. Living countercultural is not easy. Robin Kepkara in her exposition on this text writes this. It seems that tensions had arisen in the Christian community about how best to respond to and engage with the foreign culture in which they found themselves. Peter seems to be counseling against both a passive temptation among Christians to lay low and assimilate into the culture in order to avoid persecution and suffering, and a more active temptation 
to fight back against the culture. So to those tempted to conform, to those falsely accused, or to those wanting to fight back, Peter writes, abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Certainly, Peter was hearing the echo of Jesus' words when Jesus said, let your light so shine before others that they might see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven. Matthew 5, 16, words that we share in baptism. Peter and Jesus are encouraging us to see that our lived out faith is a witness to the culture around us. It is possible that as our friends and neighbors, family and coworkers see the way that we live our lives, they may be compelled to follow Jesus too. But notice the order that Peter uses in his plea. Verse 11, first Peter urges them to abstain from sinful desires. The biggest temptations the early Christians were facing were within themselves, not within the culture. My guess is that the same can be said of us. For many of us, our real battle is not with the people around us, but with the sin within us. D.L. Moody said, I have more trouble with D.L. Moody than with any other man I know. I agree. I have more trouble with Sonia Dixon than with any other person I know. We won't know freedom from sin this side of eternity. But as we confess our sin and turn away from it, or as Peter writes, as we abstain or distance ourselves from sinful desires, we can know the gift of God's forgiveness. And by his redeeming power, our lives can reflect more of Jesus. So we deal with our sin issues. And then we move on to verse 12, where Peter inspires us to do good deeds. These good deeds are not about earning our salvation, but rather they are a response to the love of Christ and his transforming might. As Christians, God's spirit lives within us, and our lives are empowered to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We are representatives of him, and we serve as advertisements of God's character. So it's important that our deeds match our words. Our walk reflects our talk. Peter urged the Christians in the early church to avoid self-destructive behavior, sin, and to live a lifestyle of goodness so that the unbelieving society would not speak evil against them, but instead might ultimately glorify God. In my many years in ministry, I have seen the powerful impact Christ followers can make on those who don't know Jesus when they combine God's words of love with good deeds. 
never underestimate your witness. Never underestimate your influence. Peter then continues to get specific about what this looks like in relation to governing authorities. He begins with the S word in verse 13. Submit. I know quite a few women, and there are possibly a good number of young people for whom the word submit causes one to bristle. There have been far too many abuses in the name of submission. And additionally, we live in a culture that values independence and individuality. To submit is not a popular notion in North America. But again, we return to the context in which Peter is writing. Who is the emperor, the supreme governing authority at this time? Likely Nero, the notoriously cruel tyrant emperor who was killing Christians in horrific public ways, too graphic to share here. And yet Peter writes, submit, even to Nero. Most of us have not lived with persecution for our faith. Our jobs usually are not at risk for being a Christian. We are not denied housing for naming Christ. Our safety is usually not at stake when we attend church. But for millions of Christians around the world and throughout history, this is not the case. They face misunderstanding and injustices imprisonment, and even death at the hands of pagan authorities. In August of 2008, a Hindu priest famous for his inflammatory Hindu nationalist political rhetoric was murdered in Odisha province on the east coast of India. Hindu nationalist leaders blamed Christian missionaries, and they took the opportunity to further their agenda of cleansing India of all non-Hindus and their religion. The violence that ensued in that area resulted in more than 100 Christians killed, 5,800 homes destroyed, and 300 churches and Christian institutions like orphanages ruined. The recent Voice of the Martyrs magazine shared the incredible story of some of the Christians in that region today. One of the stories was about two women whose pastor husbands were killed in that massacre 12 years ago. As reported by Voice of the Martyrs, the widows of two martyred pastors seek only to forgive their persecutors and maintain their witness for Christ. Despite the government's refusal, to pursue justice. Amazing. To the early Christians in Peter's day, to the Christians in India in 2020, to those of us in North America who may disagree with our political leaders, God's word is the same. Submit yourselves to the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Now, before you walk away, drop down to verse 17. 
Peter summarizes his preceding statements with these four snapshots. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Note, fear God precedes honor the emperor. This is an example of why, as we read scripture, we need to consider the whole of God's word. The writer, Peter, is the same person who in Acts 5 disobeyed the authorities. After being told in Acts 4 that he and John were not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus, they responded in Acts 4, 19 to 20, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to listen to him. You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Later on, they are brought before the authorities again, and the high priest reprimanded them for continuing to speak and teach in Jesus' name. Peter responds in Acts 5.29, We must obey God rather than human beings. The Old Testament story of Daniel in the lion's den, or Shadrach and Meshach in the fiery furnace, or the Hebrew midwives in the days of Israel's slavery, these are stories of civil disobedience. It seems to me that what the Bible is communicating is that we are to submit to our governing authorities unless to submit to them is to disobey God. Then, civil disobedience is required. This past Tuesday, university student Grace Tiki led the Listen and Learn conversation on Martin Luther King's letter from a Birmingham jail. As we read and discussed the letter, I was struck by its application to the text for today. I'd like to share a quote from that letter. There was a time when the church was very powerful in the time when the early Christians rejoiced at being deemed worthy to suffer for what they believed. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion. It was a thermostat that transformed the mores of society. Whenever the early Christians entered a town, the people in power became disturbed and immediately sought to convict the Christians for being disturbers of the peace and outside agitators. But the Christians pressed on in the conviction that they were a colony of heaven called to obey God rather than man. Small in number, they were big in commitment." End quote. Peter writes, God speaks in verse 17, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. As Christ followers, those who fear God, we are asked to live faithfully in a way where we treat every person, whether pauper or president, with dignity and respect. 
since all people, all humans are created in the image of God. In closing, preacher Jonathan Edwards in the 1700s suggested a six-fold strategy for Christians to live faithfully in public life. I think it's worth considering. First, Christians have a responsibility beyond the church walls. Second, Christians can join with non-believers to work toward common moral goals. Third, Christians are to support their governments, but be ready to criticize if the occasion arises. Fourth, Christians do well to remember that politics are relatively unimportant in the long run. Five, Christians are wise to beware of national pride. And six, Christians are called to care for the poor. May God give us his grace to live in this way. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.